Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Let's look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know, Jesus is the Logos of God. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. That word, Word, is the word Logos. It's John 1. In the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, the Word was God. A little further down, the Word became flesh. The word, Word, is the word Logos. The word Logos means the logic, the character, everything behind the Word. Y'all with me? So Jesus is the Logos of God. He's the logic of God. He's the character of God. He's the integrity of God. He's the way God thinks. He's the way God sees things. Jesus is God's idea of what it means to be human in the flesh. Does that make sense to you? Like when you see Jesus living, that's exactly what God would do. In fact, he said that I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear the Father saying. It's like, why you call me good? Why you call me teacher? There's only one. So when you see Jesus living, it's exactly what God would do. It's not like Jesus is the nice guy and the Father's the, the mad guy right. and he's trying to get in between us. Oh, Father, don't hurt them. No, this is God's will and intention embodied in a human. I see, that's why I want you in here more often, so she's going to amen me. Come on. <laughs> so, John chapter 8, I, I, and I'm going to try to squeeze all these in here, but it'll be good. Verse 1, <clears throat> and, and I've got the NIV up. Uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Can you imagine? Just sitting there listening to him teach, man. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and Jesus said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, of Moses, in, in the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? I mean, you got to think about this. Last week, you know, in this scenario, maybe they just stoned some woman. Maybe these people standing there just a few days before already stoned someone to death. I mean, that's the gravity of the situation. That's what it's like to live under the law. We have no clue what it's like to live under the law. I mean, we just don't. We are so free, man. So this is not just an illustration. This stuff was happening. Rocks in hand, ready to throw at her until she is no longer breathing. And remember, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. This is the character of God. This is the logic. This is the way God treats us. So, <clears throat> verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
this accusation thing is what I want to talk about today. We did a little bit last week. We talked about the enemy accusing you, but real spiritual warfare is you bringing your thoughts into agreement with what Christ has accomplished, not asking the devil its name, tying it up, bringing it to Jesus, and making it submit to him. No, what you're bringing down and tearing down are your false beliefs and your thoughts, bringing those thoughts into agreement with what Christ has been obedient to. So true spiritual warfare is you believing the truth of who you are in Christ. If you run across a demon in the process, you do what Jesus did. Go. All right, that was mini-sermon from last week. So they were trying to trap him. Verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, the little things like that, man. You know, you just see it's like he straightened up. It's, All right, boys. Let me give you some God logic here. Let any one of you without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. That's kind of risky because one of them might have been self-righteous enough to go ahead and start. And he'd have been in the, caught in the crossfire. Verse 8, again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. How many of you have heard teachings about what he was writing? They're probably just making that stuff up. Who knows what he was doing? Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? In another translation, he says, Where are your accusers? Where are those voices that are coming against you? I mean, when Jesus takes the time to connect with this woman, he's defending her. Not her actions, not her shortcomings. He's not giving an excuse for her sin. He's defending this human that he loves. He is protecting this person by expressing truth, by giving logic the way that he sees how humans should be treating each other. And when God's logic is infused into the situation... The result is human life is valued and protected regardless of behavior. And we have to see people that way. The church has to get better at doing that. The church has to represent Jesus just like he represented God on this planet, valuing human life to the degree that you put yourself in the crossfire. You bring the truth and let the truth remain. Man, so powerful. This is just so much going on in this here. She says, no one. He says, I don't condemn you either. I don't accuse you either. And he does say, now go and sin no more. He does deal with the sin. You know, we take heat because people think we're going light on sin. It's like, you don't get it. Your only hope for overcoming sin is in this is in you experiencing God's value for you. Do you think that made this woman want to run back to her adulterer? I mean, what do you think this woman did after this? She probably collapsed in a puddle of tears 
and was changed like that. Man, one encounter with love. And it can happen through you. The people that fight, that irritate you the most, that fight you the most, maybe the ones that you have the most judgment toward in their behavior are the ones that you can change the most because you can reverse all of that stuff that you're feeling and experiencing toward those people and show them love. And if they can see it and feel it from you, maybe they can be open to experiencing it from God. You know, we don't have people ready to throw stones at us. We're really good at doing that ourselves. I mean, what God needs to defend most of us from is ourselves. And it's true. Think about when you're defensive. When you take up your own causes and you feel the need to defend yourself, either to people or even to yourself. And it's like after you've won that defense victory, I mean, what is it that you really defended anyway? Your shortcomings, the way that you have the right to irritate people, your anger. I mean, what are you defending? You know, I, my, my prayer that to, one of the things that you walk with today, what did I say? I don't even know what I just said. Walk away with today is that you stop feeling this need to defend yourself because God is your defender. And the way God defends you is he loves you. He connects to where you are. He removes all those voices of accusation against you, even your own, and says, no, I don't accuse you. I don't defend. I don't condemn you. Then he deals with the sin. Now, out of that, now go. And the thing is, when you are defending yourself, when you are trying to justify where you are, and you know what I'm talking about. It's on all different levels. Either you're right and you're trying to defend and justify yourself or you're wrong and you're angry but you're defensive. You will not experience transformation. When you are defending yourself, you won't change. The only way to experience transformation is you let go of, you, you let go of that desire, that ego, that need to fortify how you see yourself in light of your behavior, whether good or bad. Yeah, you know, uh, I can't receive you being kind to me because you don't know what I did yesterday. That's just, you're justifying yourself. You're justifying your negative feelings towards yourself because you're disqualifying receiving love and encouragement based on your behavior. It's a justification. It's just in the wrong order. Do you see, the, you see what I'm saying? You know, how many of you catch yourselves in that? You're defending yourself to yourself. You're defending yourself to those people around you. Man, God is your defender. And when you are submitted to his justification and his defense, that's when you experience transformation. You don't have to go to bat for yourself. Jesus already did. So let's look at Matthew 23. This is what Jesus thinks of the Pharisees, by the way. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, and this is just right after this happened, and some of those Pharisees may still be around. He says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, 
So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. In other words, he's recognizing their authority as keepers of the law. So he was in a transition of the overlapping of the end of the old covenant and the establishment of the new covenant. And at that time, they were still under the Levitical priesthood system. So he's recognizing their office. But then he says this, Be careful to do what they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, and I see this in church still today. I see this in religion. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. You know, another place Jesus says it this way, bear one another's burdens. And you, are you a burden remover or a burden builder? Even with yourself, what kind of burdens are you putting on yourself? So then he says, verse 13 in Matthew 23, Woe to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Man. Not only is he talking about just this world, but now he's talking about you ones who are putting yokes of bondage, burdens on people, expectations of performance on people that's not in alignment with what the word actually really says. You're hindering people from experiencing the kingdom of God. Man, is the church not full of that? And that's not a criticism. It's a, it's a let's wake up. When we focus on people's behaviors, because this is right after what he's talking about, how they treated people and what he did and how he expressed mercy and kindness toward this woman, and then she experienced transformation. He says, really what this is about is you're, you're hindering people from experiencing God's kingdom. He, very beginning, he establishes what he's doing on this earth. He says, I have come... I have brought the kingdom near to you. Repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right now, everybody had been pressing, everybody had been trying to get into the kingdom, but now that Jesus is here, everybody's pressing in. The kingdom is available for everyone to experience. And the ones that tell you that you're not good enough, the ones that tell you you need to do more, and if you believe them, you're letting them hinder you from experiencing God's kingdom. Stop it. Stop listening to them. Even in your own head, your own accusative voice, you know, towards yourself. You may be the voice that's hindering you experience from experiencing God's kingdom. Because what Jesus is doing here is living out the establishment of his kingdom. So you've got in Jeremiah 31... When the new covenant is established, one of the earmarks is, I will remember their sins no more. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God's into reconciliation, not keeping account of sin. 1 Corinthians 14, love keeps no record of wrongs. What we see Jesus doing here is actually establishing the kingdom and showing us what life is going to be like under the new covenant in his blood, which is God is no longer holding your sins against you. It was totally radical for Jesus to do something that removed the punishment of an obviously broken law. 
what he was doing was showing them, this is a new way, guys. That's why he said, repent and believe the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, you, you're going to have to change the way that you think because now that the kingdom is here, everything is going to change. Specifically how God relates to mankind. God didn't change. The covenant changed. Jesus changed everything. You know, there's more to this than just Jesus being nice to this woman. This is the way of the kingdom in action. Amen? Amen. Now, as a result of the kingdom being established, see, the reason you have to take a stand against accusation, the reason you have to not feast at the pity party table is because you're believing a lie if you even see yourself that way. It's because you haven't repented and believed the gospel about who Christ is in you. It's because you don't know that you're dead. It's because you don't know that you are alive again, that you let those lying voices continue to speak to you and disqualify you and hinder you from experiencing God's kingdom. I'm not talking about an angel showing up and you get to see what he's got in his hands. I'm talking about you experiencing peace, righteousness, and joy. All that other stuff just happens in the process. It's just part of it. But are you really experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy? If you're not, you're, you're falling into this one of these pharisaical traps of believing what is coming against you, whether it be the enemy or your own self. But here's where we have to establish what we are now. And this is a lot of scripture I know, and I'm going to read these two and we'll wrap up. But here's your homework this week. Take and read Colossians chapter 2. Meditate on it. I mean, you read this and, and try to experience the truth of what is being said in this passage, this, this chapter. Not just the information, but do you really believe that this is the kind of being that you are? Romans, uh, Colossians 2 I'm going to start in verse 10. It's really 10 through 15. He says, we are complete in him. Say, I am complete in Jesus. Which is the head of all principality and power. So he's like, he's the head honcho. There is no one higher. He is in charge of everything. He just establishes that. He's establishing the supremacy of Jesus in whom also you were circumcised with circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him, and this is what Courtney was talking about, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. It's like, man, Paul, could you just make it a little bit, you know, less wordy? <laughs> But that's why I want you to take and meditate on this this week. Because, you know, just read it through and think about it. I know it's a lot, but hang in here. So, and you, this is the important part. And you, being dead in your sins, you were, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. And this is really important. Blotting out all the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. In other words, your failure of keeping the law 
was put on him and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, having made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What's going on here is he's establishing Jesus is in charge. One of the things that he did on the cross is he totally defeated the enemy. And you are no longer the old you. That person is dead. You're a new person. So literally, you actually stand in the place before God where you cannot be accused of anything. You cannot be accused of even that sin that you did yesterday because Jesus already took that handwriting of the ordinances that was against you in his own body and removed it from you. It's illegal for you to be accused of anything contrary to your new recreated being. You are unpunishable. You are unblameable. I mean, that's like too good to be true news. You know, you kind of have to pack around that, the idea of it's not okay to sin. Truth is, if you really believe this, if you really live from this recreated reality, man, let me read that. I'm gonna, this is the last, Romans 6, verse 1. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And you say, by no means. We are, we are those who have died to sin. And this is the point. How can we live any longer in it? How can you live any longer in sin if you're dead to sin? If you're dead to sin, then that accusation that comes against you because you're flirting around it still, you still think you're that old dead person. You're dragging around a dead body, using it for justification to feel bad about yourself. Don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, he will certainly also, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Say, I'm dead to sin, dead to sin. in Jesus. In Jesus. <laughs> do you see, do you see what, where we're going here? You know, it's, it's illegal spiritually, for any accusation to come against you for what you've done because that you is dead. And if you really truly believe that the recreated new you is who you are, man, you won't even, sin won't even be an issue for you. I mean, how many of you have experienced just kind of a natural overcoming of certain sins? You know, and it just happens. And then some of us are trying really hard to get over some of them. It's like those are the ones that you're still dragging up the dead man. Those are the ones where you still think that that is who you are. And you've got to remember what Jesus did, how he went, how he approached the woman caught in adultery. You know, he removed the accusation. He removed everything that was against her because he knew what he was going to do. He was putting into practice what he was going to pay for very shortly. 
That's where we stand. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that you see, I hope you see the importance in understanding scripturally what Jesus has done eternally and the place that you're in before him, unblameable, unreprovable, not even in a place where you can receive accusation and that be the fuel and the power to where you can let go of that guilt. It's not an excuse to stay in sin. It's not going light on sin. It's putting the, con the conversation in the right place, and that is, who is Jesus in you? And how are we going to live? There's this new life that you have in him, and it's love. And, you, and, and in that, you live your life like what Tracy was talking about, and the effects are the kingdom is increased. You don't even know it. In fact, in your absence, it's still there and active. And it, it, it's easier than we've made it to be. Are you encouraged? I know it's a lot. We've packed in a lot in your head and heart today, but know that you, you stand free of accusation. When you, see, when you feel like you need to defend yourself, look to the cross as your power of transformation. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you our minds and our hearts to be transformed. We give you our minds and hearts to be influenced, to believe the truth, to be rooted and grounded in grace, to be rooted and grounded in this new covenant identity so that we will live above the power of sin and sin will have no dominion in my life so that we can be that voice of setting people free in this earth. Helping people realize God is not holding your sin against you. God is not relating to you based on your failure. He values you. Now enter into this new creation that he has for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we commit to go into this world and preach this gospel.